please uh, open up your bulletin and pull out your sermon outline. We're going to be talking today about a message entitled A Divine Encounter. And as we get started, I wanted to share with you uh, a story written by Max Lucado. And you'll see it kind of parallels the prodigal son story. It's basically a different version. It's more like the prodigal daughter type story. But it's by Max Lucado and it was written... In his book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, and he says this, he says, Longing to leave her poor Brazilian neighborhood, Christina wanted to see the world. Discontent with a home having only a pallet on the floor, a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove, she dreamed of a better life in the city. One morning she slipped away, breaking her mother's heart. Knowing what life on the streets would be like for her young, attractive daughter, Maria hurriedly packed to go find her. On her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing, pictures. She sat in the photograph booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on pictures of herself. With her purse full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with the reputation for street walkers or prostitutes, she went to them all, and at each place she left her picture, taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth. And on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out, and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. Yet the little village was, in too many ways, too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned, and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. She did. It's a story of a young woman who went out determined to make it, ended up falling under some hard times, and her mother desperately wanted her to come back home. And in her desperation, put her picture all around, and one day the daughter saw it in her desperation, realizing that she had fallen on hard times. And in her desperation, she ended up going back home to the mother that loved her, uh, no matter what she had done, no matter what she had become. And the same is true with God, and the same is true in the prodigal son. You see the son that goes off, and they, he squanders his wealth, his inheritance that he, had, he got. He squanders it on what the Scripture calls wild living. And then his father is waiting for him to come back home. Sure enough, he finally realizes the error of his ways. Ends up going back home, being restored to his father. And it's kind of a parallel in our relationship with God. It doesn't matter where we've gotten to. It doesn't matter what we've become or where we've headed. Uh, God's ready for us to come back home. And there's a, there's a story in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, that I want you to follow along in your notes. It's, it's called, the title of this passage is Zacchaeus, the Tax Collector. And it's really an interesting 
passage, and as you'll see, and as I set the backdrop for this particular passage you read along, this was not an accidental meeting. This was not an accident that Jesus just so happened to walk upon this man Zacchaeus. Listen to the passage. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. For some reason, when I picture this passage, I get this mental image of Danny DeVito. I don't really know why. Uh, Just this little guy can't see over everybody else. I don't know. He must have been really short. If you know, if you're just kind of a little bit below average height, you, you, I don't think you'd have to climb a tree. Uh, maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe all the tall people sit up front. Uh, but I just picture this tiny little guy, like I don't know, maybe even smaller than Danny DeVito, <laughs> or shorter than he is. But anyway, so he wanted to see Jesus. That's my how my twisted mind. Just, just, and I just gave y'all an invitation in my twisted imagination. So I apologize for that part. Let's get back to the Word of God. Uh, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And the thing I want to point out before we read the rest of it, this was just not an accident. And, and for Christ, this was not an accident that Jesus just, oh, 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 who are you? You know, up in the tree. This was totally intentional. Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was being omniscient. He knew that this encounter was going to take place. He knew exactly that this man was going to be short and want to see over the crowds. He knew exactly where he needed to go to find Zacchaeus. And so it says in verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So Basically, he comes upon a man who wants to encounter God. That's basically what's going on. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Listen to that, the self-righteousness of the time. Some people are like, what? He's hanging out with, see, keep in mind that tax collectors at this time are kind of despised. I mean, how many of y'all like your tax collector? I don't know if you know one in particular. You know, most people, you're just... Hire an accountant and send it off and all that. But if you did have someone beating down your door for money, you probably wouldn't like them that much either. You know, we just, that's kind of our nature. So here he was, a person who collected taxes. And the Jewish people, if it was a fellow Jew who was a tax collector, the Jews often saw them as kind of a traitor against their own people because they were collecting, uh, their own people would be collecting money for the Roman government and they didn't like that. And so they have this self-righteous attitude, and they refer to this guy as a sinner because of his profession. So verse 8, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. So in essence, he's basically a more righteous guy than the people who are calling him a sinner. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, but the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So basically what's going on is Jesus intentionally seeks out this man because he saw that his heart was ready to receive salvation. His heart was ripe. His heart was riper, more humble before God than the people that were insulting him by calling him a sinner, uh, essentially judging him. Uh, based on what he did rather than God sees through all that and saw the heart of the person. 
But as I was kind of going through this passage, I really got caught up on the idea that this was just not an accidental encounter. And I believe in life there will be certain things along the way that will not be accidental in your life. So point number one I wanted to talk about as we head into a new year is to keep your eyes open for divine appointments. Uh, Not too long ago I was having a conversation with an individual who is a Christian but I would say, not, I don't mean this in like a condescending way, but I'd say probably maybe kind of newer in their walk as far as really what it means to seek the Lord. Um, that's kind of how I perceive this individual. You know, I'm not God. I don't really know, but that's kind of the, the gist of it. And I don't mean that in a condescending type of way. I think it's wonderful when people start. And that's why I do what I do. I want people to start seeking hard after God. And I understand that sometimes it takes those baby steps. And so this particular person was kind of asking about the church a little bit and wanting to know kind of what's going on. And some of their questions, some of his questions got to the kind of that. When I first decided, like, this is what I believe God's calling me to do, like I want to start a church. Basically, what he was asking is a lot of the questions I asked to up front. There's a lot of questions I had to go through because in a lot of ways, it would have been easier to maybe just go work at a larger church, more established, maybe as an associate, or find an established congregation, go go that route, which I did at one point. But at the end of the day, what happened is he's asking these types of questions, basically kind of like, well, why are you doing that? You know, he's kind of had a lot of whys. He wasn't being mean-spirited, there was nothing condescending. And so it was just simple questions, trying to gauge what was going on. And it's just kind of a, it's kind of a foreign concept, this whole idea of church planning. Whereas for me, I actually grew up going to a church plant. My parents were, were a part of a brand new church plant. So for me, the whole idea was kind of in my DNA before I was even thinking. I didn't even know what church planning was as a kid. But I did know we were part of a new non-denominational church startup. I didn't know what I would have called it at you know, nine years old or however old I was at the time. Uh, I just knew I was a part of a church that started. And so for me, it was kind of like normal growing up in this. For, for some of you, maybe it's kind of a, it was a foreign concept for maybe your up, upbringing. But anyway, he was asking me these questions. And I was reflecting on it a little bit later because I'll be honest with you and saying maybe a couple of years ago, this type of conversation I might not have, I might have gotten almost a little defensive. You know what I'm saying? You ever had someone ask you questions and internally, you're, you're polite, but you kind of get like defensive. Why? You don't believe in what I'm doing? You kind of get that kind of thing going on. I used to kind of have that, unfortunately, but I, I was able to realize like, I didn't have that going on this time. You know, it's just like, you know, happened uh, a good conversation. I was reflecting on this conversation. And one of the things that kind of dawned on me, and this was just my perception, I was praying, I was like, God, you know, give me wisdom on this whole conversation. And I kind of realized, I felt like God kind of flipped it on me a little bit. And I realized that, you know, this, I don't think this conversation was about me at all. You ever done that before? You ever kind of thought something was about you and you, don't, you fail to realize that this person was inquiring? They had genuine inquiries. And one of the things I realized, here I was answering some of his questions, and I was talking about how I believe God gives each and every one of us an assignment, and how this is my assignment right now, and how I believe this is what God has called me to do. And I don't think a calling has to do uh, with ministry for each other. I believe where God has placed you right now, I believe that is your calling. I really do. I believe that is your calling. That's where your assignment, uh, be it a large thing or a big thing, I think that is your assignment for God. And I just talked about that. And the need to be faithful in what God has assigned me in my life. 
And I was reflecting on it a little bit. And I really realized later on, I was like, you know what? I think that conversation was a divine appointment in a sense for this person. I don't know what they're going through. They're clearly starting to seek the Lord. And this is probably some new conversation they're not used to hearing. Someone talking about calling to do something and getting an assignment from the Lord. And for those of you who don't know, I started, this church kind of spawned out of a, a Bible study. I started an in-home Bible study. And uh, I, what I did when I started this Bible study, and most all of the people that originally came to the Bible study, I don't even know if anybody's here from that original gathering. Uh, um, and so anyway, we had a, our first, I remember we had our first meeting. It was one of those things, and I basically just got on Facebook, and I just sent invites to like all these people I hadn't seen in years. I'm sure people were like, uh, it was almost like obnoxious, I'm sure, to some people. Hey, or just a reminder, we're having this. And I got a lot of people saying, yeah, I'll be there. You ever done that before where they were throwing an event or a party and all these people, yeah, I'm coming. And guess what? Like a fourth of the people. I learned a hard lesson <laughs> through this is that about a fourth of the people who say they're coming actually do come. And so I had all these people, yeah, we'll be there and all this stuff. And I had like child care ready just in case and sure enough I don't think we had any kids show up and anyway so we had a group of I think it was about 14 or so people and this one young woman came that I'll be honest I barely knew that's how that's how desperate I was invite people I barely knew like come yeah it's gonna be awesome do a bible study even though you probably haven't been to church in years come on it's gonna be fun and so yeah I was I was that guy and so anyway, I invited all these people and got all, yeah, we'll be there. Just, you know, not wanting to be polite, not say no. And of course, I got a couple of people who were honest. Yeah, I'm probably not coming, you know, that kind of thing. And so this one young woman came and I'll be honest, I didn't know her very well. I knew of her more than I knew her. And sure enough, she came. I don't, honestly, looking back, I didn't know why. <laughs> it's like, why would she want to come? Why does she even hardly know me? And so she ended up coming. And to be honest, I don't even know what my message was that night, but I do know I concluded the message. Here I was in a living room, you know, leading this Bible study. I concluded the message uh, basically praying with people to receive Christ. In some sort, I don't know exactly my prayer, but it's that type of invitation. It wasn't like a in your face over the top, but it was like, you know, I don't know what you're going through, but maybe you've had a situation where you need to reconnect with God. And so that, that young woman came this one time. I don't know if it's the first or second meeting, and never came again. Never saw this person ever come again. Okay, so it's like, uh, what does that say about me? You know, is it that bad? You know, uh, you know, I put a lot of time into these messages. I mean, what's going on here? And I don't know how. I kind of figured it out, I guess. I ended up getting a couple of years went by, and I got a message from this person, and they were talking about something about some of. I used to kind of post some devotional type stuff on Facebook, and how it meant so much to her, and all this stuff. And I ended up sharing like a sermon that had meant a lot to me at the time with her, and all that stuff. And I don't know exactly what happened in her life, but I'm almost positive. Uh, without actually talking to her about it, I'm almost positive she had a major change in her life that night. I don't know what happened. I don't know if she was a Christian, kind of a dormant Christian, if you will, someone who grew up believing in God but not really was actively pursuing it, or maybe this was her first like real encounter with God. Something significant happened in that one time 
she came that I know changed her spiritually. And I look back on that, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what if I hadn't set out to do this? What if I had never set out to do this? Sometimes as pastors, it's easy to get caught up in numbers and all this stuff, but what if that one person, I mean, I really do wonder about that encounter. What if I hadn't done it? Am I, is God sovereign enough to say he could, he could have led her somewhere else where she could have encountered? Absolutely. Could that have happened? Absolutely. It's one of those questions that I don't know. What if I hadn't invited her? What if that message, that specific message, you ever been listening to a message and you realize, like, that was just for me. I don't know what he's doing. Is he like sneaking into my email account? Does he, how does he know what's going on in my life? I mean, have you ever had that happen? I remember hearing a pastor share when I was up in Louisville going to a church. It was a really large church, and the pastor was sharing about a time where uh, a, a dad had been, had been like trying to really get his son to go to church type of situation. I think it was a teenage son. You know, trying to get his son to go to church. Sure enough, the son finally goes, and something in that message really hit home. And the son was absolutely convinced that his dad had told the pastor what to talk about, when in reality the dad had not coordinated with the pastor at all. And it was that kind of a divine encounter. And this young woman had a divine encounter in a small gathering in a living room that totally, I know, changed the spiritual trajectory of her life. And I want you in this new year, keep your eyes open for those divine encounters because you very well may end up being that person that somebody else needs. You may be the strength when others are weak. You may be that ear to listen when somebody desperately needs to hear it. Because there's a lot of people out there. We all put on masks of sort. We could be going through something serious and no one would know. I wouldn't know. Just, you know, we're all saying, hey, how you doing? Everything's good. Hey, have a good Christmas. You know, how was your Christmas? We don't really know sometimes. And you could be that listening ear or that word of encouragement that someone so desperately needs. I remember in college, I was just getting to that point where I was getting interested in going back to church. You know, I grew up going. And I remember this conversation. I guarantee you this it was actually a fraternity brother's girlfriend. Somehow or another, I bumped into her. I was going to, I think we lived in the same apartment complex. And I guess I was going to my car. I think she was coming in or something like that. And we crossed paths. I didn't even know this person very well. Somehow or another, this local church conversation came up. Because I've been thinking about going. And I'd heard some things. And anyway, she mentioned to me about how Shannon, there's a church up there called Shannon Baptist Church up in Columbia. She mentioned to me how Shandon Baptist had a really good college ministry. And I guarantee you this young this woman, I haven't said I don't even remember her name. I guarantee she wouldn't remember that conversation, but I remember that. Her mentioning to me that Shandon Baptist had a strong college ministry, something positive about this college ministry. And sure enough, believe it or not, not only think she intended that was a seed. It was planted in me, and sure enough, I ended up going to that ministry and getting the not only surrounded by other young Christians, but under a godly college leader that helped me in my early walk as I started getting really serious with God. And sure enough, I ended up going to seminary after college and all these things. And I remember I was coming home from seminary, uh, traveling back. I was in Louisville, Kentucky, about a, I don't even remember, like a 10-hour drive. And I was coming down I-26 up in the, maybe somewhere around the Spartanburg area coming home. 
And it was raining that day. And keep in mind, I had all this stuff packed in this Ford Explorer. I mean, I had like a little miniature toaster oven, a lot of loose items in the car, if you will. And so it was raining, and to be honest, I wasn't, I don't think I was going exceptionally fast, maybe around 70 or so, but it was raining. And sure enough, I was coming in, I don't remember, maybe it was going around 60, 70 miles an hour, rain, somewhere like that. And sure enough, I was driving in the left lane, probably going a little bit faster than I should, ended up hitting a puddle. And the next thing I remember is that the car kind of swerved. And as I tried to straighten out the wheel, they say not to straighten it out, but when you're in that moment, you don't really have time to, oh, I don't need to do this. And uh, So sure enough, I tried to straighten it back out. car lost total control and careened off the right side, thankfully not the left side, toward other oncoming traffic. Careened off the right side. Next thing you know, I was, you know, the adrenaline takes over. I mean, I still remember, I was like, hardcore adrenaline. It's probably a few times in my life where I've had that level of adrenaline. And all I remember saying is, save me, Lord, save me, Lord. I, mean, I was in this car losing con- complete control, turning backwards. Car flips. I don't even remember how many times. I think it rolled maybe one, at least one full time. I don't even know. And when the car stopped, I was off to the side of the interstate on I-26, and I was hanging upside down in my seatbelt. Hanging completely upside down in my seatbelt, and obviously I don't have any permanent uh, effects from that. So here I am hanging upside down in this car. And the damage wasn't, I mean, I, I think there's some broken glass. I'm keeping in mind, you know, I'm in this Ford Explorer. And then the bottom of my car was upside down. I'm hanging upside down. I think there's some shattered glass on it. And sure enough, my window of my driver's side was able to electronic. It was electronic, so it was able to roll down still which it still worked. And so all I remember doing is I put my hands down, I unbuckled the seat belt to catch my body weight, and I crawled out of that car. And I came out of that car completely unscathed. The only injury I had is when I crawled out, I cut my knee in a little spot on a piece of a shattered glass. And I had very minor whiplash afterwards. Uh, so uh, I came out mostly unscathed except for a minor little cut, minor soreness afterwards. But as soon as I crawled, I mean, I think by the time the car stopped, by the time I was out, I would guess, I mean, I don't know, time was just almost like standing still in that moment. I would guess it was less than a minute that I was out of that car. I mean, I wasn't sitting around. The engine was actually still running. You know, you're like, is a fire going to start? I mean, I got the heck out of Dodge. And sure enough, there was a, a young woman at the time. I, mean, I was in my early 20s. She was probably, I don't even know, 30, 35 range. She had already pulled over. Several people had already called the police or 911. She had actually watched it. I mean, I had passed her. So I'm going maybe a little too fast. I passed her, and I think she had watched the whole thing happen. And what was amazing about this is she stayed you know, obviously my car had to get towed. It was upside down. It was total loss and all that stuff. She stayed until it got towed away. She drove with me to the tow where the car was going to be towed off or where it was put down, where the tow truck took it. I guess some little, I don't know, junkyard or whatever. Uh, the car, I think, was still upside down. I had to get in there and get some of my stuff out. Actually, no, I think they flipped it back over and I was able to get some of my stuff I honestly, I left some stuff. I just, I grabbed some main stuff. She was going to help me. 
And so my dad was actually going to meet us in Columbia, kind of halfway. He's coming up from Charleston. And so it was just amazing that this woman was there to help me. She stayed when I needed her. And it was just amazing. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I would have done that. I hate to admit that. I don't know if I would have stayed and waited. You know, I would have been there definitely calling police, seeing if they were okay. But she went above and beyond, um, just making sure I had a ride and going to get my stuff to put it in her car. And so number one, there's no question that God put her there for me because I needed help in that situation. But what was significant about that as well is on the ride home, obviously it comes up like, who are you, you know, all that stuff. Sure enough, I'm this young seminary student. And I don't remember the gist of our conversation, but she was asking a lot. She had a lot of questions about God. She had a lot of questions about the Bible. These weren't like attacking. These were like genuine things she had been thinking through. And I was able to give her a lot of answers in that moment in her life. And I wish I could remember a lot of the questions she had. It wasn't like, you know, well, if God's so good, why this? You know, it was like genuinely wanting to seek God. And so I look back on that now and I see a divine appointment on almost both sides. Number one, I needed help, (laughs) obviously. Uh, I'd just been in a terrible wreck. Thankfully, I was uninjured. Um, But there was something. I almost look back on that and wonder, was that wreck? for her to get some answers to some questions she needed uh, to have answered that God wanted to answer for her. And I look back on that, it's really powerful to think about how God is sovereign in all situations in our life. It's hard to understand why. Like, why do people have, you know, constant pain? Or why are people suffering? I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. But there is some sort of divine silver lining in where we go in life, who we interact with. And this coming new year, God's going to bring people across our path. There's going to be new people coming through these doors uh, that we haven't met before. That God's going to, you know, it could be your greeting when they come in that they need. They needed that welcoming. And they needed a message I had to say. Or maybe their child, you know, child visits. Spending the night with another child who's a regular here. Whatever it may be. There's going to be people that need to hear the message that God has given us to share with others. I had a couple brief points I wanted to touch through. I put it as point number B. There's going to be some kickback along the way. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through in life, there's going to be... Some kickback. Look at the, listen to this quote from Malcolm Muggeridge. He says this. Contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. So he looks back on hard times with satisfaction. He says, I, Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my experience has been through affliction and not through happiness. Can you relate to that a little bit? You ever look back on maybe something you see like, wow, God used that as a turning point in my life. God used that difficulty uh, to shape who I am today. Point number C I put is a, don't try to get ahead of God in life. Listen to the story. How many of you have ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? She's a prominent figure during World War II. It's a really amazing story of her family's faith, even in the midst of atrocities. And listen to this that was written about Corey Timboon in, in an article from Today in the Word. 
This was written in 1991. It says this, When Corey Tim Boom of the Hiding Place fame was a little girl in Holland, her first realization of death came after a visit to a home of a neighbor who had died. It impressed her that someday her parents would also die. Corey's father comforted her with words of wisdom. Corey, when you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you your ticket? He says, and then she responded, why, just before we get on the train. Exactly, her father said. And our wise father in heaven knows when we're going to need things too. Don't run out ahead of him, Corey. When the time comes that some of us will have to die, you will look into your heart and find the strength you need just in time. And I think that's not only true with like a grieving situation. I think that's true in a lot of areas in life. How many of y'all can look back on your life and see where just in the nick of time God saved you from a particular pitfall that you may have been about to enter into? And sometimes we just get overly stressed or worried about what may come. But the truth of the matter, there's nothing wrong with planning ahead and thinking through things. But one of the things I do know is God is in charge of whatever happens, whatever go through. I remember there's a situation a year ago with this church. We had to adjust on the fly, literally, about where we were going to meet the following Sunday. This was a Thursday. Sure enough, God solved the problem long before I did or others. God had an answer. And God's the same way in our own lives. Uh, Point number D I put is that it's not an accident you're here today. I believe every one of you, however you found out about us, however you came to say, yeah, I'm going to check out this church over here. What's going on over here? Whatever prompted you to be here, I believe, number one, that was the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know how it came to you. Maybe it was a flyer. I know we got several people coming here because they received a flyer. But ultimately, I believe that was a divine appointment for you to be here, to be a part of what we're doing here. And I really do believe sometimes it can be difficult to see, but I believe this is just the beginning of what is to come, something great to come. You know, I was listening to a podcast. I'm going to be sharing this again because I know some we've got some people that are not here that I want to share this with as well. I was listening to a podcast recently, and it was done by a Christian pastor. Because he interviews like, you know, all sorts of people. It doesn't have to be like a Christian or a pastor. He interviews, it's a leadership-based podcast. And he was interviewing this young woman who her... The thing that irked her in this world is she found out in an African country is what was going on is there was a lot of young, intelligent young women who had very bright futures if they only had the right opportunities. And what would happen is a lot of these young women, they would finish school... And there was like a long lapse in this particular country between finishing school and college. And what would happen is during that long lapse, maybe they needed to go work to help provide for their families, take care. Maybe various things came up. But a lot of times they would get lost from going to college and pursuing an education because of this lapse period of time. And she lived over in this country for a while. And she's like, I want to do something about this. And so she ended up, it was kind of a long story, but she started kind of this fashion company and tied it in with this African nation and used this company as a platform to end up helping young women advance their careers and opportunities in this particular nation. But one of the things that caught my attention that she talked about is she talked about how oftentimes we get caught up in the big dreams. And what happens is these big dreams can kind of be overwhelming at first. Sometimes the big dreams take decades to get to. And she talked about the need to dream the smaller dreams. 
And I, I realized in my life this resonated with me because I want to share with you uh, a, a small, what I would call a smaller dream because I want to invite you all to dream this with me. I really believe with all my heart. And, I have a, and one of the things that happens when we dream even these smaller dreams is sometimes we envision it being something and it turns out a little bit different. But I think you'll get the gist of my smaller dream. One day I believe this church will have its own property and meeting space. I really do. I believe that's going to happen. I don't know how and when it's going to happen. You know, I may envision what the building and land may look like, and it may look totally different, but somehow or another, I really do believe God is going to get us there. And I'm going to be talking about this in the next couple of weeks because I want to invite each and every one of you to dream this with me. I know there's one person in the church, we talk about it all the time. It excites me to have another person dream this with me you know they want this too they see this too and it gets me excited and i'm able to feed off that energy but i wanted to share that what i would call a smaller dream in the life of this church don't get me wrong this is a wonderful meeting space this totally meets our current needs but i believe the day is going to come where new needs are going to arise and new opportunities are going to be on the horizon and sometimes it's hard to see it can be hard for me to see sometimes, you know, like the last couple of weeks. Maybe people have been traveling like, oh, our attendance is daily. Sometimes I'm sure some of you see that as well. But I want to encourage you that God... Here's one of the things I learned. As a newer Christian and kind of my early twins, I got really excited about big churches. And so I would go to like big churches. And big churches are wonderful. They're reaching tons of people for Christ. But one of the things that has changed in my heart over the last decade or so is I've realized this, and it's such a simple truth, but it's so easy to overlook, is that the Holy Spirit of God is just as powerful in a smaller group of people than it is in the larger churches. This same powerful God is just as powerfully at work in this gathering as it is in any sort of mega church out there. And I think sometimes people fail to grasp that. And look at this scripture in Matthew nineteen twenty six as we as we close. Look what Jesus says. He says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Replace man with your name. With this is impossible. With God, all the, with Blair, I can promise you this is impossible. What I'm talking about is all, it's, it's, it's a lost cause. But guess what? The Holy Spirit of God lives in me. He lives in each of you. And guess what the Holy Spirit of God can do in and among us? I can promise you with Him, it is absolutely possible to see these things come to fruition. And sometimes, you know, I, I get caught up looking in the natural. What I see in front of me, and I miss, and I know we all do it as well. And I guarantee you, everybody in here does it in their own life, in their own particular way. You can't see your way through a situation you're dealing with. But let this be a reminder for each and every one of us that it's not about my power. The scripture says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By God's spirit, He says it can be done by God's will. It will be done. And all it really takes is just being faithful and consistent in what you're doing. I really believe that's the key to living a successful Christian life. Being faithful in your task. 
being faithful each and every day, being consistent, and learning to find joy in those consistent tasks that you do each and every day. Let this be a reminder in your life personally and a reminder for those of you who have chosen to plant your flag here at New Song Church. Don't think it's impossible. Start dreaming with me because we serve a God who is the God of the impossible. God looks at impossibilities and laughs at them in all situations. And I think some people miss that. I think there's a transition between an immature believer and a mature believer. A mature believer says, wow, the Spirit, look what Jesus, two or three are gathered. There am I in the midst of them. And we miss that. I miss that sometimes, that God is powerfully at work in this church. And if you hear me repeat some of this the next couple of weeks, I want to get it in everybody's system because God's got an awesome 2020 in store for us collectively as a church and for each of you as an individual. Let's pray as we go into a time of worship. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for giving us your Holy Spirit in spite of our imperfections and flaws you still dwell in us and amongst us we thank you that you are the God of the impossible you are the God who gave Abraham turned him into a nation when he was literally incapable of having children you you saw an impossibility in his life and you laughed you see impossibilities in this church and you laugh you see impossibilities in each individual here's life and you laugh because it's so much smaller than you, Lord. And I thank you that you are sovereign. You are in control. Help us to remember it is not by our own might nor by our own power, but it is by your spirit. Thus saith the Lord. Lord, I pray that we would take these truths into this new year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.